Welcome back to Young Smart Money. Today we are hearing from the 24-year-old personal finance YouTuber Ryan Scribner. So Ryan's somebody who's very active in the personal finance space on YouTube, both in the investing space and a little bit in entrepreneurship as well. He's somebody who uh, I've been learning from for a long time. He was one of the first people that I ever started learning about personal finance from the world of investing, the stock market. This was one of my initial sources of information, so I'm extremely grateful for him for everything that he is doing over there. Also a quick fun fact, I started working for Ryan about two years ago and now we're actually really good friends. So a little fun fact there um, and I'm super stoked to uh, be featuring him on the channel because he's somebody who, yeah, I look up to a lot and now that I know him a little bit, it's cool to be able to throw a little bit back to him. So also a little fun fact, uh, we recently had Ryan on the podcast, Young Smart Money. So if you wanna get a, a little bit of a look inside to the mind of Ryan Scribner, we sat down for about an hour, talked about uh, what's on his mind, what he's thinking about, what what's on deck now next in the world of Ryan Scribner. So again, if you search for Young Smart Money, wherever you listen to podcasts, you'll be able to find that and uh, hear from the man himself and hear a couple stories that he's never really shared before. So we went a little bit deep on that one. So definitely check that out. But without further ado, here's my take on Ryan Scribner's top 10 financial tips. Number one, create passive income streams. Have you ever really thought about the fact that you can put in effort today and build something that will pay you every single month, every single week, or even every single day for the rest of your life. But so few people are actually willing to put in that initial work today to build a passive income stream. But I told myself I was willing to put in that effort and do whatever it takes to earn passive income and get out of this trap of earning active income. So let me explain it to you this way. Passive income is very simple. You're earning money off of your past effort. So your past effort determines your paycheck. Now, I've always enjoyed making videos and talking to people and learning and exploring new ideas, so I decided that a YouTube channel would be a good way for me to make passive income. It makes sense. I'm making money off of videos I've done previously. I make money from ad revenue. It results in uh, sales for my membership site and my course as well, and all of that is based on my past effort. My course that I put together that I still make money from is one that I made many months ago, but I still make money because I'm being paid for my past effort. That is what passive income is. Number two, you can't save your way to millionaire. You cannot save your way to millionaire status. One of the most common things people tell you to do if you're looking to grow your wealth is to save your money and put it in the bank. That is the most stupid piece of advice anyone could give you because that is a guaranteed way to lose money. I'm going to explain why that is. So first of all, if you have five bucks a day, can you simply save your way to millionaire status? Absolutely not. Here's an example. Let's say for whatever reason you were able to save $5 a day from the day you were born to the day you were 100. Let's say you even lived to be 100 years old. If you save five bucks a day for 100 years, you'll have $182,500. That is a far cry from a million dollars. So unless you're planning on living past 500 years old, you cannot save your way to millionaire status. Second of all, interest rates in a savings account do not keep up with inflation. So you cannot put your money in the bank and expect it to keep up with inflation. So in 2016, inflation was 2.1%, okay? The average checking account pays 0.05% interest on the money you put in there. So here's just an example in terms of how much money you're losing by keeping your money in a savings account. So $10,000 in 2015 is equal to $10,210 in 2016 based on that 2.1% rate of inflation. Now let's say you had $10,000 in your checking account over that year as well. 
So your $10,000 grew to an astounding dollar amount of $10,050 at that point. So you made $50, okay? Also known as you just lost $160 of value. Maybe that doesn't sound like a lot of money, but if you had $100,000 in there, you just lost $1,600. If you had a million dollars, you just lost $16,000 because your interest rates are not keeping up with the rate of inflation. So that is why a savings account is a guaranteed way to lose money. So when people recommend you save your way to retirement or you save your way to being rich, that's a guaranteed way to lose money. They're, you're basically guaranteeing that you're going to fork over a lot of money because you're not going to keep up with the rate of inflation with what these banks pay you as far as interest goes. Number three, invest in assets. And what the rich people are doing is very, very simple. What they are doing is they're making sure their income is greater than their expenses, which is the same thing that the middle class is doing, but they're taking that money and they're purchasing assets instead of liabilities. Now, what are assets? This could be something like the stock market, this could be real estate, this could be rare coins, this could be gold coins, it doesn't matter what it is. Assets are simply things that tend to appreciate in value over time. Now, where is most of the wealth generated? A lot of people are making money in real estate and the stock market. Yes, there are cryptocurrencies, other assets that are newer, but the two things that have been making people rich the longest are the stock market and real estate. And I know a lot of people say the fastest way to wealth is real estate, and I would certainly agree with that. Um, the stock market is more of a passive approach to generating wealth, uh, but either one can get you to the same place as long as you follow this formula. You take your income, you make sure that your expenses are lower than your income. So maybe for every dollar you earn, you have 80 cents worth of expenses, and then you take that 20 cents and you put it towards the assets. But what you're doing that's going to actually magnify this process is taking your return on your investment, your returns generated from your real estate or your investments, and reinvesting that back into the purchase of more assets. That is what the rich call letting money work for you. This is something that has been taught many times over, earning more money from the money that you already have. That is the simplest explanation why the rich are getting richer and the poor are staying poor. It is these formulas right here. And so if you think about it this way, let's say this person here has a dollar of earnings and they have 80 cents of expenses, meaning every dollar they earn, 20 cents goes towards the purchase of assets. And then let's say they have a dollar here of income and then 10 cents of return on investment. So then a dollar 10, they still have that same 80 cents of expenses. Now 30 cents are going towards the purchase of assets and then it'll be 40 and 50 and 60. As they're making more money, they're investing more money. As they're investing more money, they're earning more of a return from their investment. And that return from their investment is allowing them to purchase more assets that are going to generate them more wealth. Number four, don't focus on looking rich. Let's go ahead and talk about the type of car a rich person drives versus the type of car a poor person drives. So for this example here, a rich person is going to buy a three to five year old Toyota Camry, very reliable vehicle, and it's not a car that is expensive. And their car payment for this vehicle would be around $250 per month. And the insurance cost around 75. So the cost for that economy vehicle for this rich person is $325 per month. Now, on the other hand, a poor person is more concerned with how they look and what other people think of them. So they're going to buy a brand new vehicle and the most popular luxury vehicle is a Mercedes-Benz C-Class. Now, the monthly car payment for that car would be probably around $810 per month and your insurance costs would be more. So we're going to assume $150 for insurance 
giving this person an all-in vehicle cost of $960. So the poor person is spending almost $1,000 per month on the luxury vehicle, a depreciating asset to impress their friends and family. Meanwhile, the rich person is spending significantly less and keeping that money in the bank. But just how much is this rich person saving and what are they doing with the money they're saving? That's what we're going to discuss at the end of the video. Now let's talk about the second major purchase of your life, which is your home. What type of house does a rich person buy versus the type of house a poor person buys? A rich person is going to buy a small house. They understand that extra space is a waste of money. It's going to be more space to clean, more space to heat and cool. And the smaller your space is, the better. So they're going to buy a reasonably sized 2,000 square foot home. Now their mortgage for this house is going to be around $700 per month. They're going to be paying about $250 per month in taxes and their utility bill is going to be another $250. So their all in housing cost there is around $1,200 per month. Now a poor person on the other hand, they want the big house. They want to keep up with the Joneses and they're going to buy a huge house, a 4,000 square foot house. And as a result, their mortgage is going to be twice as expensive, a $1,400 mortgage now. And the taxes are going to be double that as well, a $500 a month tax bill. And they have more house to heat, more house to cool, and they're going to have a higher electric and utility bill at $500 per month. So that poor person is spending $2,400 a month on their housing expenses. So in order to keep up the status and to impress their friends and family, this poor person is paying twice as much for their all-in housing expenses compared to what the rich person is spending on a reasonably sized house. Number five, don't follow the herd. It is not easy to become rich. It is not easy to earn passive income. It is not easy to do something different than the herd. If you do what everyone else does, you will have what everyone else has. Most people are in debt. Most people are broke. Most people are not rich. If you do what everyone else is doing, if you buy the nice houses, the flashy cars, if you exchange your time for money and don't earn passive income, then you are going to be in the same situation as everyone else around you. If you don't want to be like the majority of people, you can't do what everyone else out there is doing. So you have to do what is difficult. You have to look for the hardest thing you could do and go do that. Most people are not going to do things that are going to improve their financial situation. They are not going to invest. They're not going to start their own business. If you guys really want to become rich, you have to start doing things that are difficult. You have to start working more than 40 hours a week. You have to stop exchanging your time for money. You have to start having original ideas and trusting yourself and having confidence in yourself to carry out those ideas. If you are always relying on someone else to tell you what to do, then you will never truly be rich. You're never going to have your own business. You need to get to a point where you trust yourself and you trust your gut and you believe in yourself. Most people will never do that. Most people will only do what comes easy to them and as a result, they have a pretty mediocre life. Number six, look at both sides of the financial equation. But the very best thing you guys can do is very simple, do both of these things. This is the best approach. Increase your income, while decreasing your expenses because that's going to increase your positive cash flow. 
That is this dotted line here. That is the difference between your income and your expenses. That's going to be your positive cash flow. And the best way to do that is to attack it from both sides. You have two problems here. Not enough money, too much expenses. So make more money, cut down your expenses, and you're going to significantly increase your positive cash flow. Okay? I, I mean, maybe you're going to be watching this video and you're hoping for me to tell you the next million dollar idea or how to go out there and, uh, you know, make money for very little effort. And guys, if I did that, I would be very dishonest. I also realize I'm holding my marker. I thought I was going to be drawing on this, but I was holding this for absolutely no reason. So if you guys noticed that and it seemed kind of weird, it was kind of weird to me as well. But anyways, guys, this is one of my favorite uh, lectures to do. I've incorporated it into one of my videos in the past on uh, what, what to do if you're living paycheck to paycheck. And it really helps people to visualize the problem because a lot of people don't even realize what it looks like to be broke. This is what it looks like to be broke, where your income is equal to your expenses. And to be going into debt, that means your expenses exceed your income. So the very first thing you guys need to do is figure out these numbers. And a lot of people know how much money they make, they know what they make at their job, but so many people have no idea what their expenses are. So the money is just falling out of their account because they have no idea where it's going. So the very first thing you need to do is identify what your expenses are, figure out what your positive or negative cash flow is, and then go, how can I improve this? Number seven, skip the new car. I hope that most of you now know that cars are an absolutely terrible investment in most cases because they depreciate in value very quickly and they just take money out of your pocket month after month. And a lot of people get in this really bad habit of buying brand new cars every five or six years. And I want to show you guys just how much this is going to cost you over your lifetime. So according to Experian, the average monthly car payment for a brand new car is $530 per month. Now, if that alone is not a shocking enough figure, how much is that actually worth over your entire lifetime? So if instead of driving that brand new car, you invested that money, how much money is it actually costing you to drive that brand new car? So the cost of driving a brand new car from age 25 to 65 at $530 per month is an astounding $254,000. $400. But if you instead took that $530 per month and invested it, again, at an 8% return in that time period, you would have a portfolio value of over $1.6 million. So the true cost of driving a brand new car from age 25 to 65 is actually a $1.6 million cost by driving a brand new car. And you might be saying to yourself that nobody really does this, but I can honestly tell you that I used to work with people at my old job that would buy a new car, not every five years, but literally every two years, this one person I worked with would go to the dealership and trade in her car for a brand new one. And it's just astronomical how much that ends up costing you in the long run. Number eight utilize optimal investing accounts. Number one, the first thing that makes sense in most cases is always maximize employer match. Uh, this is literally free money being offered to you. A lot of people aren't taking advantage of it. And so you need to take advantage of that free money that your employer is offering through the employer sponsored contribution or match. So like I said, in my case, at my old job, I made about $60,000 per year. I contributed 6% of my pay or $3,600 to my 401k. And my company matched me 50 cents on the dollar up to 3%. So that 3% earned me an extra $1,800 per year of completely free money going into my 401k. So that is usually the best thing to do is maximize up until what your employer is going to match. Number two, 
The second step is to maximize to a fee-free or a low-fee Roth IRA. And I'm gonna go through two examples with you guys at the end of this video to help you understand the differences and why you might actually want a low-fee versus a fee-free Roth IRA. And then third and finally, that is when you would put surplus money into your savings account for any kind of major life purchases for maybe your emergency fund. And then eventually, if you have more money to invest, that is when you would put that money in a taxable account where you're going to be paying capital gains taxes. A lot of people make the mistake of skipping step number two entirely. They contribute to their 401k, but then they open up a taxable account instead of a Roth IRA, and they're paying taxes on their gains for pretty much absolutely no reason. Number nine, be wary of undue optimism. Millennials are a little bit too optimistic about their future financially. And so Money Under 30 found that 78% of the millennials surveys feel that their financial situation will improve compared to 45.5% of Americans. Now there's a very clear reason for this in my opinion, and that is the fact that millennials have only ever been adults in a healthy and prosperous economy. Uh, and during the 2008 crash, the market crash, when unemployment was through the roof, most millennials were not of the adult age, and so they've only ever been adults during a prosperous and healthy economy. And so I believe that a lot of millennials are a little bit too optimistic about their situation improving. Now, I don't think their situation can't improve, but they're actually going to have to take some steps and take some action to improve it. It's not just going to magically get better. And so I feel there is an overall sense of optimism that might be a little bit overdone here just based on the fact that they've only ever seen a prosperous economy number 10 take small consistent action this is four steps four steps guys and you can become a millionaire with five dollars a day okay here's how you do it number one set aside five dollars each day i'm talking about the amount of money you probably spend at starbucks every single day at the end of the month you will have 150 dollars saved up okay what you're gonna do with that money, you're not gonna put it in your bank account. You're going to invest that money. You're going to invest in a diversified portfolio of blue chip stocks and investment grade bonds, okay? For those of you who don't know, blue chip stocks are the stocks of well-established companies. They have a very high market capitalization. Um, they are things that people have been investing in for many, many years. And over the last 100 years, on average, blue chip stocks have paid a 10% return. You're also going to be investing in investment grade bonds. These are high quality, low risk bonds. Over the last 100 years, these bonds have paid out on average 6%. What I recommend doing is investing 50% of your money in blue chip stocks and 50% of your money in investment grade bonds. Over the last 100 years, on average, this portfolio pays you 8% return on your investment. You're never gonna sell. You're gonna leave it there and you're gonna let it compound over time. You're taking advantage of compound interest. Now, you may not have enough money each month to invest, but you're gonna save that money, and when you do have enough money, you're going to buy more shares of blue chip stocks, and you're going to buy more investment grade bonds, okay? After 50 years, now we're talking 50 years. I know that sounds like a long time, but like we said before, if you save $5 a day for 100 years, you'll have $182,500, okay? So now we're talking about half the time. 50% less time, we're talking 50 years, okay? You do this for 50 years, and due to the magic of compound interest, you now have a portfolio worth $1,032,786.28. You just became a millionaire for the price of a Starbucks cup of coffee each day.
All right, so there you have it. That was my take on Ryan Scribner's top 10 financial tips. As always, you can find links to all of Ryan's videos that we referenced in the description. Additionally, you'll find his YouTube channel and Instagram page in there as well, which I would highly recommend checking out to subscribing, following, and staying in the loop with everything Ryan is putting out there. His YouTube channel is just full of valuable information when it comes to personal finance and entrepreneurship. Uh, his Instagram gives sort of a behind the scenes look at some of the stuff he's working on. It's usually pretty funny. So uh, I'd recommend staying in the loop on both of those places. Also, it's just really cool to uh, have Ryan on the channel. Hopefully, if y'all haven't heard of him yet, you'll head over there and check out his stuff. Just because again, he's somebody who I have a ton of respect for. He's somebody who's opened a ton of doors for me and I'm extremely grateful for everything that he's done. So hopefully this video can be a bit of an homage to him and everything that he has done. Now, I'm curious to hear from y'all who you want to see next on Young Smart Money. Who should we feature next? Last time, uh, we had Graham Stephan on the show to talk about his top 10 financial tips. Uh, Ryan came on and did the same. So who should we feature next? I know there's a ton of amazing creators, both in the personal finance space and in just the finance space in general. Uh, a lot of them I'm pretty good friends with. So let me know who you want to see next, either in the comments, shoot me a message, whatever you would like to do. Also, again, if you did not catch the podcast episode where we sat down with Ryan for about an hour, got to hear some stories that he doesn't share all that often, uh, you can do that by searching for Young Smart Money on your podcast platform of choice, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, just search for Young Smart Money or search for Ryan Scribner and you'll find his episode on the show. It was super cool to sit down with Ryan for like an hour. Here's some stories that I hadn't heard before. So uh, I think you guys will really enjoy that. And if you have not yet subscribed to Young Smart Money, wherever you are consuming this content right now, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, I want you guys to subscribe. It helps the algorithms show this content to more people. And if you find it valuable, I'm sure they will as well. So uh, go find that subscribe button wherever you're consuming this right now, click on it. I really do appreciate each and every one of those. And I do my best to continuously provide valuable content to you um, across all the different platforms. Lastly, I just want to say, go out there and take some action, guys, because you can consume videos like this or podcasts like this or content like this all day. But if you don't do anything with the information, what's the point? Okay. I always say you can read 50 books in a year, but what's the point if you don't do anything with the information? So take a couple minutes right now, maybe take some notes on the content you just consumed, which of these tips was most valuable to you, which of them you actually want to go out there and start implementing and just do it, okay? There's never gonna be a better time. Uh, the stars are never gonna align. So I want you guys to take action on, at minimum, just one of these things, one of the 10 tips that you got from Ryan in this video. Take some action on it, okay? Let me know how it goes. Let Ryan know how it goes. And I'm excited to see you guys back here on the next episode of Young Smart Money.